You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. It's time for Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. We've been on the Songs of Ascent. Some of these are attributed to David, and they're not exactly sure if from David specifically, but some of these psalms were actually written for the purpose of the journey of ascent. Others that were possibly written by David were then added to it because they were significant in other ways. So, yes, David did, in fact, write some of these, but not all of them. So it is a bigger picture to me of what the experience of the ascent into Jerusalem and then up the temple steps to a place of worship for these festivals that the Israelites would partake in. It's also a mark of faith from the people of Israel that God was speaking to David before he even became a reality, that this great prophet and priest and king of Israel had all of this at heart so early on in his life that they trusted that God was speaking through David, even Mm -hmm. though David may not have seen it all. He had enough of the Spirit alive in his heart to speak things that were crystal clear to them in the generations where they went to the temple to worship. Yeah, well, I think sometimes David speaks for all of us. Yeah, even today. (laughs) Even today. Which is the point of going after his psalms in the past few weeks and months that we've been doing this series on Compassion Radio. Now, this is Psalm number 124, Mm -hmm. and we're going to read from a couple different translations. It's only, again, about eight verses or so. It's a short one. And where would this one have been traditionally sung on the way into the temple? So this psalm would have been used after the arrival in the city and at the temple gates. So now they are actually on the steps of the temple ascending up to the place of worship. Each step from this point on has a specific psalm that is for that step. and Assigned to it, yeah. Yeah, and I haven't done all the research, and that's on me, and I'm hoping to get more into that as we go along here about the significance of each step into the temple itself. But each step itself had a name, so it corresponded them with a psalm. It's kind of like you might say in modern vernacular, it was the going to the temple playlist. Yeah, I guess and so. every person that's passing this way in a group would not be stepping on that step exactly at the same time together, but their leader would. Mm-hmm. would step up onto that step and then lead them all into this reflection, this focus. They would stop, they would ponder, they would worship, and they would focus anew on something that the Scripture brings to their attention. Mm-hmm. All of these things, when it comes time to enter into the temple grounds would add up to something bigger than the sum of its parts. That's the whole point of these songs of ascent. Now, when you and I were growing up in the church, we were taught, I know I was, and I think maybe you were too, that repetition was in some ways evil. It wasn't a good thing. It was not meant for us to just have these vain utterings and, and repetitious prayers. That was always the thing that I was told. We'd always fall back on that scripture that Jesus says, don't depend upon vain repetition and right. just babbling away. Right. You know, speak from your heart. Yeah. yeah. But as you and I have gone deeper into the liturgical faith, the liturgical practices and traditions, it has become more apparent to me that it's not just about repeating something that you aren't thinking about. It is a very intentional way of reminding myself of these statutes, of these promises from God. And that's what I see happening here. They're reminding themselves. It's Yes, it's exactly the same psalm that they quoted the year before or whatever. 
but it is a reminder of where they've been, where they've come from, where they are right now, and where they are going. It's also a time machine. It mm-hmm. takes you to places and times that you would never on your own power be able to even approach. It is literally God saying, enter into this thing that the saints of all history have been part of, that the saints of all history yet to be born will celebrate and honor and remind themselves of. The best analogy I can think of is a musical one. It's simply this. If you've ever been part of something called the sing-along Messiah, Mm. it is an opportunity for the lay person who may or may not have much musical knowledge to participate in something that is somewhat familiar, but may not be something you've ever committed yourself to know in depth. And that is the whole choral (laughs) rendition of the Handel's Messiah oratory. There are associations that do this all over the world now, and it's become a tradition around Christmas time or even Easter. Now, the point is, people get to step into a room together and hold up the same music that people for hundreds of years have held up and sang to the glory of God and to the honor of His Son. That experience is a profound one for those who are part of it. In fact, so much so that the tradition says King James stood right up and said, I could do nothing but worship. And when the king stands, unexpectedly, people respond. Mm. That tradition has been passed down for hundreds of years now that even people that are not part of a British royal history would recognize that this is where we all stand to honor God. On the holiday, of course, you stand. Mm -hmm. Why? Because someone before them stood. Mm -hmm. And now we are standing Mm -hmm. with that testimony, that reality of experience of worship across all these centuries. So I see this in the Songs of Ascent that the people of Israel didn't just repeat these things because it was their playlist or their road trip music, but because they were entering into something and they knew they were entering into something that was powerful and it comes right from the heart of God. Well, let's jump into Psalm 124 and read it straight through and then we can talk about what David is saying in this psalm. I'm reading from the voice translation. If the Eternal had not been with us, sing, Israel, sing or remember. If he had not been with us when the villains came for us, when their anger flamed around us, they would have swallowed us up alive. Their hatred was like a flood. The waters were rising and would have engulfed us. The streams were rushing past and would have overcome us. The furious waters would have broken over us, battered and overwhelmed. We surely would have drowned. Blessed be the Eternal who did not leave us to be torn by their fangs. Our souls cry out. We escaped with our lives like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare was broken, and we escaped with our lives. Our help has come in the name of the Eternal, the Maker of heaven and earth. David is writing and singing about his own personal experiences here. Mm And they have been writ large now on the whole nation of Israel as they ascend. Now, the image I get of this is that as we're ascending on these steps, we are rising as we go. David talks about a rising tide that would wash them away, a flood. And if you've ever seen a flood high water mark, Mm -hmm. there are places all over the world that commemorate these disasters, these natural disasters that have been horrendous in the history of that place and these people. And they'll actually put a mark on a a wall saying, this is where the flood of 1842 rose up to in this town. All around the world, there are markers like that. 
and they're markers of tragedies, right? Mm -hmm. David is talking about a tragedy that could have been, that should have been, but for God. Mm. So if I think about these people ascending up into the holy place in Jerusalem, they're at the high water mark on this step of evil trying to take down God's chosen. The Passion Translation says, What if God had not been on our side? Let all Israel admit this. Mm. What if God had not been there for us? And then he goes on to say all of these things. Our enemies who were violently against us, our foes would have been like the ocean that rose up, like the floodwaters. And, and, you know, we lived in central Texas for a lot of years. Mm. And there is a thing that happens in central Texas every spring and every fall, flash floods. Mm. It is terrifying because it literally happens in a flash and people who think oh there's only a few inches of water here will get swept away and their lives taken from them because of a wall of water that flashes through there that has been building upstream for hours or days right and i see this in that psalm i see that david is saying there is a wall of water that we have to avoid And in Texas, they say, turn around, don't drown. And And they mean it. They mean it. And if you know that the potential is there for this wall of water to come, you stay away from those areas. There's low water crossings that every year someone is swept away from. And I think this is David's warning to us. This is David saying, hey, look what you were spared from because you listened to the voice of God, because you listened to those who had gone before you, because you listened to all of the signs that were there. You paid attention. That was our safety. God provided that for us. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, These are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time business hours at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160. Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. There is a wall of water that we have to avoid. And in Texas, they say, turn around, don't drown. And And they mean it. They mean it. And if you know that the potential is there for this wall of water to come, you stay away from those areas. There's low water crossings that every year someone is swept away from. And I think this is David's warning to us. This is David saying, hey, look what you were spared from because you listened to the voice of God, because you listened to those who had gone before you, because you listened to all of the signs Mm -hmm. that were there. You paid attention. That was our safety. God provided that for us. 
the boat that floats. Think about Noah floating on the ocean. All the earth was covered with water. We know the imagery of this, and it's profound. It's total. And yet, God did not destroy the earth. He washed it. But it's still a tragedy of epic proportions. There was still earth there. In fact, there were high mountains. So in the midst of this entire tragedy, what they didn't know yet was that there was still a mountain peak out there that was going to be their resting place and their rebirth. And Ararat was hiding out there in that storm. And God brought the ark there and planted it there. And that's where it rested as the waters receded. So again, we're looking at Jerusalem here. This is the high watermark of the oppression against God's people. They're celebrating that God rises us up above and upon the sea of that kind of opposition to his will and his reign. They're safe above the high water mark if they're in the hand of God. That's something to celebrate, that no matter how bad the world gets, no matter how much opposition there is to God and his reign, his kingdom, no matter how much persecution there is of the church around the world, these rightful inheritors of this awesome vision that David has, The Church of Christ around the world now still experiences this. When will it ever end? When will the persecution stop? And God seems to always raise up a remnant, even though there are many who die at the hands of evil. I don't understand the math of all this. All I know is that God seems to be about always preserving his kingdom and blessing the memory of those who died for their faith in persecutions across the centuries. So there is a message here about where do we find ourselves? Are we underwater or are we rising above it? Where are we in God's providence? Mm. And somewhere on the steps leading up to Jerusalem, the faithful coming to the temple to worship are saying, we rise above the evil of this world. Mm. We're going somewhere where God's blessing and his reign, his glory do not cease. And we are fortunate. We are privileged. We are honored to be stepping above that watermark and moving on to the temple. And I also think about the image of baptism. Coming out of baptism from death to life, we have that imagery right in our scriptures about how we testify to the life of God in us through Christ. Mm. Coming out of the waters, we are raised to new life in him, to honor and serve him. So there's expectancy, I would think, for those who are worshiping in Jerusalem, that once they pass this step, all these images that Dave is saying about the evil coming up against us like a flood, it recedes and we go on because of God. Mm. And that's an acknowledgement and a worship we're doing even before we get to the temple, which again amazes me. We have so much profound, deep emotion being poured out before they even walk into the sanctuary. I think, too, it speaks to the danger or the treachery of the world around Mm. us. Mm. Not just evil people or evil itself, but just life. There can be so much despair and so much danger just in our lives every day to our physical bodies as well. I see that David is saying here, we can praise God that even in this torrent of flood, even in this, this danger that God never left us. Correct. And I don't want to come across as one of these people who believes that nothing bad happens to God's people because A lot of bad happens to everyone. And we have a choice to make, like David here. And are we going to trust in a God who is there with us in the danger, in the hurt, in the terror of the torrent, he says? Yes. 
or are we going to blame him for it? And I think that we have to make that decision on our own. He turns the corner in verse six and he says, we can praise God over and over that he never left us in this time. He wouldn't allow the terror of our enemies to defeat us. And then he goes on to say that we were freed from the snare of the hunter. Mm. The trap failed. Yeah. And we were able to get free of it. And God was there with us in all of that struggle. This says to me that I'm going to face a struggle. I'm mm. going to struggle. And I'm going to wonder what it's all about. But I can trust that God is there. And even if God doesn't remove me from the struggle, he's with me in it. Yeah. And that feels more real to me. And dangerous. Because it puts everything at risk. Saying God could, if he chose, choose to just flush us away Mm. if he wanted to. Mm. But But that's not a loving God. But it's not his heart. He's expressed that generation after generation that his will for us is like a loving father, as a shepherd for his sheep, as a mother for her children, as a hen for her chicks. All of these images across all of Scripture keep reminding us that this is who God is, the kind of person, the kind of being he is that is always for us. I love the way that the NCB writes it. The waters would have washed us away. The torrent would have swept over us, and we would have drowned in the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who did not give us his prey to the teeth of our enemies. Well, I remember my grandpa saying in so many sermons when he preached when I was a kid, he would tell a tragic story that appears in the Bible. And then he would usually say, but then God. I think all of us probably have phrases that we remember and identify with people who loved us, mentored us. Whether a grandparent, a parent, or a favorite youth director, or a pastor, or just a family friend that loved us. Sunday school teacher. Yeah. That it would say something that just always stuck with us. Maybe they said it often. That's why it stuck with us. Maybe they just said it once. And it was such a startling revelation that we couldn't ignore it. And it stuck with us always. I imagine for millions of people across history, David is probably one of those people. Hmm. Because he says these incredible words, these images that are just so powerful. God, who did not give us his prey to the teeth of our enemies. We escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare was broken, smashed, and we escaped. I mean, we did these things, David says. He's not just saying it's possible. He's saying, I lived this. And when our testimony is about the things God has actually done in our lives, the words we say have real import. They have moral authority. And they move people to really consider something they may never have considered before because they believe the story we're telling them. So whatever that story is that is real, in our lives, of what God has done for us and in us. We need not shy away from confessing those things in ways that say, blessed be the Lord, he did these things. And those stories from generation to generation, I think, are the real power of passing on the faith to new generations. Not just that we preach the same gospel message we heard or play old tapes or bring up old sermons from the 1940s or whatever that moved our parents, but that in our generation, we can say that our lives were saved like the way Dave is describing here, mm-hmm. and that he's always been a savior. He has always been for us. And for these people rising up to Jerusalem, they're going to experience in the temple grounds again 
how for the people of God, God really is. Verse 8 says, For the same God who made everything, our Creator and our mighty Maker, He Himself is our helper and defender. Yeah. Great promises, but what good are promises without a living reality? This poem, this testimony, this song they would sing as they rose up these steps, this high watermark where the evil would recede and we would proceed, that we would survive while others away from the truth, from the life, from the person who is God himself in Jesus. We are called into life. We're called away from death. And he is a life saver. He is a life savior. And that's the kind of song that the people of Israel were singing every year when they came up the temple steps to be ready to worship at a temple on these high holy days. And that, my friends, is Psalm 124. We invite you to continue reading with us in these psalms, especially these songs of ascent that we've been tracking throughout this series. And we'd love to have you download one of the Bible study guides that we have available each week on these studies at CompassionRadio.com. You're welcome to download a PDF of that file and print it out for yourself. Share it with a friend. Have a talk like this like Sandy and I are having today. Invite someone to sit down with you. Have coffee in the morning and just talk about God's Word as you read it together. It'll have the power to change your life. We believe that. That's why we're reading it the way we do with you every week. Thanks for joining us today on Compassion Radio. In the arms of Yeah.
Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.